in the community who serve as an advisory council by participating in the sharing of experiences and information Houston's diverse communities come together to promote unity between programmers, listeners, and community-based organizations. This, in turn, increases community awareness, facilitating better programming, which positively impacts these diverse communities throughout the KPFT listening area. You, as a listener member of KPFT, are important to the strength of the station. Join us on Saturday, May 18th, 2019 at 9 a.m. The Montrose Center, 409 Brainerd Street, Houston, Texas, 77006. For more information, go to www.kpftcommunityadvisoryboard.org. You're listening to 90.1 KPFT. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always más. You are tuning in to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. Our number is 713-526-5738. We are on Pledge Drive where we unite to make sure this station stays alive. We've been on it going on 18 years, ladies and gentlemen. That's a long time. (laughs) That is a long time. But let's get something clear. If KPFT is not around, we're not able to get information about the writers, the community, 
all the activists, all the intelligentsia that we bring and no one else brings. I don't want to hate on any of our brothers and sisters on the commercial side, any other nonprofit radio stations, but let's be clear. Nobody does what we do nationwide or week in or week out. And if they come close, because God bless them, they should try. If they come close, we also bring it real in the community, in El Barrio, in Tu Casa, in La Jarda, in the City Hall. And we protest, but we also party. We, we, we complain when we need to complain. We reward when we need to reward. But let's get something clear. We do things that a shampoo sponsor would not want to keep us doing. <laughs> they would be like, oh, yeah, how does that clear dandruff? And, uh, right. and we got to keep it real. So today, instead of inserting commercials here, we're going to be doing what we've been doing for 18 years. We go to you. We ask you to pitch in. Again, I know a lot of you have been listening for a long time. A lot of you help us as volunteers. A lot of you help by passing out information about what we do, reposting. You go to our events. And, yes, we're coming to you one more time. I know, of course, we're talking about finances, and you may have given in the past. Of course, if you can't, you can't. Your support is vital. But if you can't spread the word, maybe call someone that you've tapped on the shoulder and, and, and said, hey, maybe next time I can pledge. This would be the time to come through for us. Today, our goal is $500, and that can mean anything from 10 folks at $50 or maybe two folks donate at the same time. But I did want to let you know it is Pledge Drive. The number is 713-526-5738. However, we are still going to have some programming. So... I want to tell you some special gifts that we have and then a special guest that we have. So first, a sneak peek at the special guest. There's the Shytown. There's the Donde Hay Nieve. That, so <laughs> there's, that white stuff, there's white stuff that falls out of the sky up there. Right? The snow, man. <laughs> Tons of snow. Guess <laughs> this. And uh, not just a gentleman, a scholar, an activist, but our community is at this level. He teaches principles administrators how to actually reach our gente our people and i think that's so powerful especially in this era where we had a fight to overturn the banning of mixed american studies in arizona that's a very real thing thank goodness we all banded together to overturn it but we still have to get into the school so special guest today there's the chicago illinois Dr. Gabriel Cortez, thank you All for right. coming in, brother, man. Thank you. Thank you, Tony, man. It's always great being here. Thank you for, for having me. Thank you for the work you do, brother. As my because like, like what you do for real, like in Chicago, we have nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? You talk, you, you really highlight artists, uh, authors, Latinos, you know, talking about our culture, who we are, stories that we can relate to, you know what I'm saying, which is very, very special. I don't know if you know, but about six years ago, a study came out talking about uh, Latinos are the, are the cultural group that least see themselves in the curriculum you know what i'm saying so what you do is even special even more important because of that right so thank you for having me. h town what's up this is shy town here you know in, in Houston, <laughs> the shy town h town connection right. <laughs> right we're here and uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring you back man oh, we're, i, we're, I we're like that bring you back to do a little uh, college that. store and you know you you, you do the libro traficante uh, stuff uh, you connect with the folks in Arizona with the Mexican American studies, the Raza studies. I mean, that's all important, not just for for the Southwest, but the nation and, and society and in, in, in the whole. You know what I'm saying? The universe, for everybody, because culture is important, and people trying to erase us of who we are in our in our history. And you're in the forefront doing that. So thank you so much for I having me and for that. doing no, what you just... do, brother. So. And, and I think what is powerful is that, is that we have this deep intelligentsia because. I think it is powerful that you are a PhD yes. because if I understand the number correctly, there's maybe about 3% of us that reach that level. At one point, yeah, when I graduated, it was less than 1%. Wow. Right, right. So so it's growing. And, you know, and I mean, of course, I'm grateful and I feel blessed to, to be in this position, but I have to honor the folks who, who supported me, uh, gave me the inspiration to do this, right? First and foremost, my, my parents, my two brothers who took care of me in the neighborhood, you know, we make sure that I could focus in school and not mess around with, with the, you know, the gangs and the violence and stuff like that. So, and also the mentors that I've had. So I represent all those who crossed my path and, you know, try to take what I learned and bring that to the classroom, right? It's powerful. Uh, I'm in educational leadership, the field of educational leadership. So that's predominantly white. That's predominantly. Is that the it's, case? It's, it's really no, uh, uh, colleagues of color in that field. It's not teacher education. It's not special education. It's not bilingual education. It's, it's leadership, you know, educational leadership. 
You know what I'm saying? So so it's rare for these students who are teachers, counselors, who want to be school principals, school administrators to get a Latino full-time wow. professor, a uh, tenured professor who can teach and pretty much have academic freedom and, and bring my spin to it. Wow. I'm, I'm going to put a pause on yeah. there only mm-hmm. because I want people to understand perhaps you didn't realize how few cities have something like Mosta Palabra. Also, let's get something clear. If you weren't listening today, you would not know about the work that Dr. Cortez is doing, and that's vital, too. And those are scary numbers, too. I want to go back to that, but 713-526-5738. We're going to be talking about that, and I promise you, I can guarantee in Texas, nobody, <laughs> be a community radio, and they're not that many anymore, tampoco. That's, that's, lo, that's lo más triste. Uh, no one on, on uh, community radio, and for sure, Ain't no one on commercial radio talking about any of this, let alone, let alone this many folks of color on the air right, <laughs> ones with this right. many degrees. I <laughs> promise you, especially in the for-profit side. But I do want to give folks a little incentive to to go through their checkbook and, and balance <laughs> the numbers. We've got three special premiums. Of course, we've got the same premiums that every other show has and we know that you support the show to support the show but we do like to give you a little token of our appreciation and i like to kick it up a notch so uh actually your familia so you know all the crew i mean you you here in the brian and liana days yeah, too yeah. so we're dropping some names and you know lupe mendez as well so I, I bring up lupe because as you know he had his big kickoff his big book launch for why i am like tequila he was kind enough to come on the show to talk about it Awesome book launch. Really great show. Now, I bought the first signed copy. So, the first signed copy of Why I'm Like Tequila is in my possession. And no, you cannot bid on that. <laughs> no, right, right. no one can bid on that. <laughs> they went like hockey, como pan caliente. Sold out, packed house, sold all the books. Here is the second signed copy in the universe of Why I'm Like Tequila. It has the inscription, and actually, you're putting it on Facebook. Actually, we should share it. Damien, so hopefully, our crew is friended, Dr. Cortez. You can put it on the Nuestra Palabra and the Libre Traficante Facebook page as well. And uh, he signed it. Mira, para que la gente vea en el Facebook. <laughs> so this is the second, the second copy, which right now you can't buy because se agotó. He, they did a, such a great job pushing these books. They are nice. restocking. So come sometime around July, you'll be able to pick these up again. And I'm sure that they're going to print out a second edition. But this is the second copy in existence signed by the author, Lupe Mendez. Now, we're going to put this up for part of our premium. So folks today calling at the $150 level, they will get all the other gifts that they're entitled to, which we'll hear more about in a little bit. But also, we're going to add Why I'm Like Tequila by Lupe Mendez. Two other books as well. There's a new, this is this is win it before you can buy it. Mm. Norma Cantu, one of the Mera Meras, yeah. one of the co-founders of Canto cool. Mundo, yeah. um, and actually she's out here in Texas now. Her novel Cabañuelas, brand new, hot off the presses. This is before it's in the bookstores. We'll be having her on the air as well. Not signed yet, so you'll have to come. Uh, pick it up or we mail it to you and then you can also get to sign it at the next Canto Mundo or the next uh, Mocondo. But if you are at the $100 level, you do a $100 donation today to the station, you'll also get a copy of Cabañuelas, a novel by Norma Cantu. So it's 713-526-5738. And an oldie but a goodie because you were serious about this cross-cultural thing. You know, I, I think sometimes people think that when we say something about Mexican studies or just Latinx gente or or just you know Latinos that we just mean us never like and I, I realize I gotta really explain that sometimes right, right. but we we never mean that we, we're building bridges that's right and one great bridge that we built was with a, a dear friend of ours now Jose Antonio Vargas who is Filipino has won a Pulitzer Prize we have a signed copy of his book Dear America Notes of an Undocumented Citizen. We've had him here live. We've had him on the radio show at the showcase. We've got him on YouTube también. This is a signed copy of that book. And just the name, Undocumented Citizen. That's mm. that's profound, verdad? That's a lot of people. That's profound. We can, we'll give you this as well. It's signed. 
for the hundred dollar pledge level. Those are three those are three books and that's that's what we do. Seven one three five two six five seven three eight. Our goal is five hundred dollars. But really, let's start with again how rare it is that what this show is, especially what you do. And let me give folks the longer introduction. So, <laughs> this has all been unofficial. This has all been bonus insights. The official the official bio. Dr. Gabriel Alejandro Cortez is the director of the Enlace Higher Education Leadership Master's Program. Dang. And it's, so, a, it's an honor, bro. It's a blessing. It's wow, they honor. gotta go through you. Well, they don't, yeah, well, the well part of the process before uh, um, I have a five-member uh, admissions committee, so we do uh, select the best candidates to be in the program. You know, in the program, we're looking for people to develop cultural competency, critical thinking skills, and serve in higher ed institutions as leaders to support uh, uh, undocumented students, immigrants, stu- uh, uh, students from immigrant families, first generation, underrepresented uh, cultural groups. Wow. All of that, you know what I'm saying? So let me get this straight. In order to even be in the room... They've got to fill out the application and make sure that their heart and mind is in the right yes, place. We, their personal statement is a big uh, part of their application process, and we tell them that it has to match the mission of the program. Wow. Right? So you can have a high GPA. You can be an excellent student, which you know a great number of students are. But if you're not you know, aligned with the, uh, the mission of the program, then, then you're not selected to, to be part of that. Man, that's part. potent. That's yeah. potent. So the folks in that yeah. room... They really want to make structural changes, yes. and the cohorts when they come together. I mean, everybody's on the same page, so so we have a great, you know, um, good, good number of students, a great number of students who who are, you know, they develop these skills, and when they're out there, and, you know, hired by universities and colleges, they they're really lifting their game and really supporting students and understanding how to serve and support students, and not so much be another obstacle in the institution. That's potent, no <laughs> man, man, and that I, I'm sure that leads to some incredible changes. By the way, this is the first line of the bio. <laughs> 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 There's more. Um, associate professor in the Department of Literacy, Educational Leadership, and Development at Northeastern Illinois University. He earned his doctoral degree in educational policy studies at the University of Illinois at Urbana. I do. I mean, I'm the master. Which, which is really prestigious. So, congratulations Thank you, on bro. that. Thank you. Gracias. The focus of his research is on grassroots activism. Anybody do grassroots in the building? Any, anybody down with some grassroots? You guys like you like some grassroots there, Q? Yeah, I do. Just like everybody else. Right <laughs> this is grassroots. I feel like we're in the field right now. And like, like <laughs> this is like no. This is here. This is grassroots. Yeah, hey, mismo, man. I can smell it. Let's cut grass, yo. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's exactly what we're about. Um, grassroots activism in public school policy right. and intercultural relations in Chicago. Born to Mexican immigrants and raised in the Westtown neighborhood of Chicago, Gabriel is an active supporter of educational initiatives that help to empower disenfranchised communities. Oh, yeah, Mano, this is like reading one of those novels where I got to stop every page. Right, right, and think about it. You know? And just... See if you can see them doing it, right? <laughs> and let it linger. And, you know, and I want, I want, let me talk about that. When I, when I put uh, to help empower, because, you know, I've learned from, from other individuals that, that we cannot empower other people. We can help them empower themselves. So it's important in using that language, right? I'm going to empower you. No, I don't have the power. You know, I'm giving myself that power to say I, I, I got this power to empower you. No, no, I'm going to help you empower mm-hmm. you. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Which is different. So when, when you have that lens, then you can really be supportive in, in uh, uplifting people in, in, the, in the path that they're taking and where they want to be. Well, I can see, too, how that has so many uh, deep-level implications, too, right. because if people have to think critically about the actual language they use, as they brainstorm and go through their work, by the time they're writing policy, exactly, I thought lo mismo. Yeah, because that that is a difficult. And, and I'm being a little glib about going through this, but it's also magical. I, I want people to understand each word or phrase that we're going through, because that's what this station's about. This, that's right. what the show's about. But that's why it's so hard to deal with some of these structures. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because by the time by the time it's a million words, right. you know, forty story building, you're like, oh yeah, mano, I don't know where to start with this. Oh, thing. I don't even know. I, I mean, even to sit down to do my first bio, I go, what is it that I do? You know what I'm saying? I do a lot of stuff. But when you have to sit down and do it, like, you know what? Let's reflect. I have to look through my calendar, through my emails. Oh damn, I, I do all of this. But again, it's not just me. But you know, with colleagues. With, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, committees and stuff. So when we do this, you know, we learn off of each other and say, okay, you know, I bring the grassroots uh, lens and you know, and, and our experience. But now I'm part of a university institution. You see what I'm saying? So how do you balance that? Right. And so, so That's a great point. you know, so I make sure that that I'm out and about 
connected with folks who are working in the community, who are activists, who are artists, who are advocates in so many different ways. So I, I learned from them, hanging out with them, and I bring that to the classroom when I'm developing my leaders. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the second piece that you wrote, being a professor, I'm also a professor in the K through uh, 12 leadership, uh, a master's program developing principles. So I'm the director of the higher ed leadership program, but I also teach for the K through 12 leadership, you know, leaders as well of the future. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's so, great. So I have former students who are principals throughout all over the city of Chicago wow. and northern suburbs. I mean, it's, it's a blessing to, to... That's powerful. It's very powerful, and I'm blessed to, to be in this position. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is that the... Um well, well, you, you mentioned several things, so you're giving us topics for like 20 shows. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a lot. I'm trying to speak it in. <laughs> because the other thing you talked about, too, is there is that conflict as an activist. Mm-hmm. Like, do I go to the system mm-hmm. and get into charge? But I, I, I like what you're saying. It's kind of like I've been vibing on cultural capital. It's an exchange then. It's an exchange. It's an exchange because you still need that infrastructure. Right. It's an exchange. And for me, like, and again, like, like I've learned this from other people, uh, for me, I understand why I'm there. You see what I'm saying? So I, I don't let the, the university, I don't let the, 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 the institutions determine and, and give me the reason why I'm in this, in this, you know, space. For me, the, 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 the classroom is a sacred space because it's education. I, I get to facilitate the learning of these future school leaders, which is to me sacred, you know, for me personally, wow. spiritually, right? And so understanding that, so going through all this other stuff, knowing that I don't have to, uh, I have to choose my battles, bite my tongue, you know what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of things happening that I can't control because I have to jump through these loopholes and hurdles to get to the space and maintain, sustain my, my position in, in, in facilitating this, this space of, of, of uh, future leaders. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's my purpose. So it's, it's, it's hard. It's no, hard. and that's a whole other Damn. important area that we just don't examine as much. Right. Uh, 713-526-5738 because no one else is going to bring you this knowledge and again, this is the tip of the pyramid. There's more to this. And I am pausing again. I'm being a little bit glib as I go through this. This is how I read, by the way. I read slow. <laughs> you know, like in my good. own head, I go through it. Like I stop. I love it, though. I, I dive in. But I also want you to know that's why you tuned in to 90.1 FM KPFT. That- You're not here to get <laughs> brain numb. Right? <laughs> You're not here for the distractions uh, uh, of commercial radio. And we're not vibing on someone's tweets. I'm not going to say his name right now. <laughs> right, right, right. But we're, no, we impose our will on the universe. That's right. And, yes, there's so many other things to talk about. This is the most important thing right now. Mm-hmm. And no one else treats our communities as intellectuals. And right now we have a chance to talk about it at so many different levels. So right, we right. do need you to call folks. 713-526-573 to get to our $500 goal. And I'm going to continue going on right here right now. And let me just say real quick, yes. in Chicago, feel free to call in. You know, oh. long distance is, is an extra charge. So. <laughs> Do the magic of Facebook and actually live stream at uh, five bucks, two bucks, come on. At kpft.org. But that really would be cool, too. Yeah, uh, also, some... actually, we're supposed to get uh, part of our goal, our folks, to to contribute online. Yeah. So that's very cool, kpft.org. Another goal is new new people. Right, come on board. right. Let's bring it all together. Love it, and I, we have no goal for people from Chicago, so that, that would be <laughs> we'd be breaking the rule that we'd be breaking the goal, shattering the records. So then, uh, Ivet, equitable distribution of resources, innovative leadership that responds to the needs of a healthy community, and social justice based democratic principles. That's powerful too. In that, that's a lot there, right? So, so, so some of the things that, that that I've been really getting into is self care. Self-care, under, uh, uh, trauma, understanding trauma in communities, right? So when I'm preparing these school leaders and I'm teaching the community relations class, I really come from, from an angle of, like, let's understand the history of these communities from an urban policy lens, right? Why are we here? What are the, 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 the factors that, that, that make us be or push us to be in, the, in these spaces? And, and what is the trauma that's happened? So I talk about gangs. I talk about, you know, gender, you know, uh, uh, identity. I talk about cultural differences, all these different histories, and then we talk about trauma-informed practices and how we can serve students, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of my stu- you know, students, they come, they're like, you know, it's difficult to teach in this area. It's very poor. It's predominantly black, predominantly Latino, immigrant, what have you. And I'm like, all right, cool. But, you know, why are you a teacher? Let's remind ourselves what we're here to do to serve these students. They cannot learn if they're going through these traumas and they're not being responded to, mm-hmm. right? So I have some students who actually, you know, they've already been doing this on their own, and I learned from them as well. Where they're like, you know what, we have partnerships with health clinics. 
right? And there's this thing called uh, the ACES study, which is uh, adversarial childhood experiences, where it's a new, uh, it's a recent thing, maybe like 10 years ago, and they look and see like how much trauma a child has been through, and how can schools and institutions wow. like serve them, right, and respond to their needs, so they can't be freaking out at all times. Because you know, we all know as educators, if you're freaking out. And not focusing, but you're not going to excel in the exam. You're not going to excel, you know, trying to read. So we're trying to serve those needs, and that's innovative leadership that we're talking about when we put there. No, and the other thing I love about that, too, is that we do, I think, in my opinion, right now, we attend, the institution attends the community after a crisis. Mm -hmm. It's after Mm -hmm. the trauma. That, In fact, it seems... And, you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, folks, we're listening. This is a dialogue. I think the help and extra resources come here in Houston and in Texas after the trauma. Right, right. It has to be part of the culture. Another another tool that we use is restorative justice circles, right? Creating a space to to uh, have students learn how to articulate their ideas, checking in with them. Two simple questions is how are you feeling and, and, uh, and what do you need? Right? Very general. So how are you feeling? You know what? I feel terrible. What do you need? Well, I need someone to talk to. I just need to shout it and just let some, you know, somebody know. Right? Everybody just comes up differently. But students will tell you, like, no one ever asked me that question ever in this school Man. when you first started. So, so some schools that do, they build be- better relationships because now students know that they're being heard. Right, and some students, and then uh, what happens is that you have some educators say, "Well, you know what? It's kind of wishy-washy. I'm not here to be Touch anybody's friend. <laughs> Touch your feeling. I'm not here to be anybody's friend. I'm here to teach. I gotta set the, the standards high." I'm like, "Well, who says we're lowering the standards? Oh, you know what I'm saying? Oh. We're, creating, we're creating the cultural environment where students are being uh, supported, so they can excel and meet the standards that you have for them." Right, and so, and then one of the things that we've learned, which I, you know, to respond to them, because they're also my students, I say, "Well, look." This also helps their, their academic uh, um, capabilities of articulating their ideas because now you give them the space mm. to do the circle. Everyone was given the chance to speak and, you know, and chime in with their thoughts. And there was a study done at the end of the year. Students who were kind of like just say like a one, two-word sentence, you know, responses. Now they're articulating in paragraphs at the end of the, of the semester of the year. You see wow, what I'm saying? That's great. So these are tools that we teach, again, in creating schools that, you know, that where students can flourish. Well, and, and also um, today... And I'll get back to this a little later. I got the chance to visit a high school, uh, Jersey Village High School. Okay. And one of my former students, a teacher there, and it was a really wonderful experience. Touching on some of those those aspects, but maybe what I'd like our listeners, I guess viewers too, because it's a Facebook Live. I <laughs> see. <laughs> uh, what I'd like to maybe bring home is that I'm sure if you're tuning in, because you know, if you're tuning into Nuestra Palabra KPFT, you have certain values, okay? Right, so right. some, I'm sure you're catching, picking, picking up what we're laying down. También, I think in that room, but just imagine how much more you can glean from this if it's a whole curriculum right. taught over mm. uh, a longer amount of time and studied. After that, there's got to be some profound uh, direct well, impl- implications. And it's not only the curriculum, it's the relationships, that's really, I mean, you go to any school that's successful, you have successful, healthy relationships. You see what I'm saying? Because, you know, there's, if it's unhealthy and toxic, no one, there's no learning happening. Why be there? Yeah. <laughs> Why even be yeah. there, right? So we talk about that in the curriculum. And that's what the factory is in terms of toxic relationships. There's, there are teachers that just focus on the curriculum and are not ready for the student input, which is the heart of the curriculum mm. experience. You know what I'm saying? You do the setup. But you can't determine how students are going to respond to that. And so educators need to be ready and flexible for when students chime in and, and the unexpected. That's where the real learning takes place. That, that, <laughs> that to me is exciting, but especially as you, as you break it down. Right. I, I think you can make clear how correct. There, there's a pedagogy for, for shoving this information in your head. Yes, yes. But if you're hurting from other reasons. Right. Right. So you got the curriculum, but it's like it's the relationship aspect, it's the supporting aspect, and that's what we try to break down when we talk about it, you know, when we're supporting our, our future school leaders. Is that like, cool? Well, what tools can we give you? And understanding that these are not bad kids. Like you have to have. Uh, there's a thing that's called the deficit lens. When 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 teachers look at these kids, usually students of color, right? Oh, they they don't want to learn. This community and people say that. Right, they don't want to learn. These kids don't want to learn. I was like, well, who doesn't want to learn? Like that's that doesn't make sense. It's just you have this land saying that these are bad kids and don't want to learn. So in essence, you don't want to teach them because you think you're wasting mm-hmm. your time. You see what I'm saying? So how can we flip it? Like, okay, well they're here despite everything they're going through. They're still here. Let's make that an asset. 
because they're here. You know, They've overcome something to get here. Exactly. They have these obstacles, and, and they're still in front of you, still in your class. They're giving you problems, but they still come back. So that's an asset. So how can you flip that and be like, okay, let's, you know, well, let's see what they want. <laughs> right. right and you have to have that healthy exchange and then it's hard and don't get me wrong like i'm not the one that comes with the answers and the visions i i i i, I bring the, the discussion open and i learn from my students because some of them are already doing this and that's how we learn in the in, in the classroom that's, that's amazing. It's beautiful i love that's it it's amazing so with 10 years of experience in preparing future k-12 higher education and school leaders he has become an expert Yo, we bring you experts, experts. <laughs> <laughs> on urban, suburban education and its relation to local communities. This includes understanding the phenomena of race. This sounds like a show. <laughs> Class, <laughs> cultural race. identity, okay. human oh. rights, globalization, and their influence on accessibility of educational resources. <laughs> I see. Now, that's who's in the, that's who's in the studio. As my mom would say, hay tanta cosa, hombre. <laughs> That's who we're tra transmitting at 100,000 right. watts. That's that's, that's who we typed up these forms for and about. That's why we've been holding it down all this time for. And that's that's a lot of big words. And you now I get back to the word expert. So so to me when I when I say expert is is having experience. Not saying that I know everything about this. I don't come at the table saying like you know I know better and I'm going to tell you what's right. No, the expertise is knowing that you have to build wherever space you're at. And I've learned that from people who I've worked with who are at the grassroots level, working with, with parents and community members and, and the front lines of, of, of these issues, right? They're the ones that check you. Like, who, who are you to say you're the expert on this? Mm, right, right. <laughs> Especially in Chicago. In Chicago, you'll get checked. You'll get checked real quick. Right. So you're tuning into Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Heaven There Say It Happens to Be Pledge Drive. We're asking folks to call 713 Five two six five seven three eight. We have a goal of five hundred dollars. Of course, we don't get that funding directly. It goes to the whole station to pay for the lights. If you're on Facebook Live, you see that we do have lights. <laughs> we just <laughs> painted the studios inside. We got headphones, chairs, the mic, and there's a lot of other costs incurred as well. Lots, of, a lot of software that we have to buy too to stay up at industry levels. But we try and do that seamlessly. We try not to go to commercial enterprises that will do an exchange of their time to tell you about the products. Instead, we want to tell you about our communities and continue to do that. And I want to thank folks who've been tuning in because we've been doing this for a long time. And, um, you know, at some point I thought we would basically have a proliferation of shows like us and, mm. and outreach. I think it's gotten worse in some ways, oh. you know. Uh, so, so I thought by now there would be dozens of programs that do what we do and that our community would be accepted in different ways. It's fascinating to see that we've hit a certain plateau. Not right. not for lack of talent, but it's these structural issues. That's why I think what you do is so important right. Right. because you're also going to fire us up because there are educational leaders that want to make those changes. Right. And it's also a sign of the times. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're, we're the, the era that we're in right now, you know, the administration that we're under really set the tone and, and what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, what would not be supported. And I think that's what we're seeing, right? Because you're right. I mean, in the 90s and early 2000s, all this was blowing up. And now, yeah, you, no, you know I, what I'm thought, saying? I thought it would just keep. Yeah, right. And, and now we're seeing the backlash to it. And, and you see it in history. You see that pendulum swing from one side to the other. And I think that's where we're at in, in, in this era. Which is like what you're what you're doing is it makes it far more important, right? And that's why we want to bring it to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and I want to touch on something what you said earlier in terms of, of making connections with the intercultural connections, right? The the intersectionalities, you know, approaches that that that, uh, that that communities have in Chicago. I'm very impressed with a lot of activists in, in their twenties, twenties, early thirties. <clears throat> a lot of them being a uh, uh, a female, a uh, queer women, queer uh, queer uh, the queer community. Uh, black, Latina, Latino, white, who are on the forefront of, uh, facing like the um, confronting ICE, confronting, uh, uh, being in the front line for Black Lives Matter, you know, uh, concerns and all of that, and it's very in intersectional, right? And I talk to uh -huh. you know, members of, of this, of this, of these different communities, and they're very aware that, that we need to be intersectional, right? And all these different uh, issues that are going on, and they're and, and they're very effective on how they support each other. So they'll do a confrontation or some t some type of protest, and, and and when they're done, they go and they do some healing practices where they kind of like check in with each other. We start the uh, uh, justice circles to make sure that they're okay because they know a lot of emotions are running high. Wow. I'm just thinking to myself, wow, I wish some of the the, the right, yeah. those <laughs> would do this right because because what happens and we you know through history, 
we have a movement going on and what happens is it breaks up because of mm -hmm. personality class, clashes right or something happened and no healing takes place so these, right. these this new generation we have a lot to learn from them you know so again as an educator that, that's something that, that, that um, I'm glad that I could be I can see and learn from as well and, and it is very hopeful I think that that's the other part I want to stress is that we, we're very uh, real about what's going on but please don't mistake it for uh, cynicism or or disillusionment. Right, right. Uh, having said that, speaking of disillusionment, let me find out if we have any pledges so far at 713-526-573. I'd get a little signal to Letty to tell us if folks have come in and called yet. Um, and then I can figure out what I can do with these copies of Dear America, Notes of an Undocumented Citizen from Jose Antonio Vargas Pulitzer Prize winning author, Filipino. And... That book is at the $100 level. I think I heard a microphone clearing. So was that Madeline about to tell us something? Hey. Yes. Hey, Tony. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly Perfect. fine, Madeline. We do have one donation from Miss right. Fran. So keep it coming. Thank you, Fran. Thank you so much for pledging. You're our first pledge of the day. Appreciate that. And we hope other folks will follow your lead at 713 Five two six five seven three eight. Our goal is five hundred bucks. If you call in at the hundred and fifty dollar level, we will give you the second signed copy of Why I Am Like Tequila by Lupe Mendez. It is signed, and that's going to be a collector's edition because I know the whole it, the whole print run is going to sell out. But that was the second book, so I have the first one. So, uh, also, at the $100 level, you can get the Norma Cantu Cabuñuelas novel as well. I want to give a shout-out to Kim Ling's son, one of my former students. She's a teacher at Jersey Village. Got to talk to her students who are uh, in her ESL class, and that really was fun. That's nice. It really was fun. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's some of the things you mentioned. We got into some interesting terrain, especially talking about Yes, it is empowering to be bilingual, right? But there's a lot of stress, and you know, I I I, I go there because, <coughs> you know, I want young people to understand it, it does suck. I mean, it's a powerful, but it sucks because I remember being a kid thinking, man, look at that. You know, their parents are the ones doing all the talking, right. and I'm like, wow, I kind of wish that was the case for me. And it's a lot of pressure. The students were reminding me that one young lady too, she wants to get straight A's. But she, they were moving, and she had a choose. She was she's Vietnamese. She's reading the lease, having to translate it, right. right? Getting all the utilities transferred over, and mm -hmm. you know her and some of the other Spanish speaking students could totally vibe. And I get I remember that too, where you know I remember buying that refrigerator. And not knowing how to translate prorate, you know, prorate. You learn by doing, con los manos, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, like, like, and, uh, and what was fascinating is they're saying we don't always get to talk about it. Right. And, and I, I think that what kind of made me think of that because, and I told the students too, you know, it's your teacher here. It's that the school let me come here. Right. We have this moment to talk about some of the writing. And they had been reading uh, my book, The Aztec Love God, too. So they were asking me questions. Which is questions an awesome book. Oh, gracias. Which I read a few years back. Th yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. So to me, it was like a really wonderful, magical moment, which is exactly like you're saying. Wow, students are dying to learn. That's what we get in the field, magical moments like that. Well, well keep in mind, I mean, one of the things that, that, and again, this is through conversations with my students, like like we're, we're living in, in the digital age, right? So not only are we are these students bilingual, uh, bicultural, transnational, right, Live, uh, in terms of, of their living experiences, but but they have like how many uh, different uh, social media accounts? They have uh, emails. They have you know all these things, right? That are, you know, you know uh, just uh, just weighing about above their heads, which which we didn't have growing up in the eighties. Right. You know what I'm saying? Which is heavier, and that causes more stress because now you have to respond to all these messages and, and all these situations that you have in your laptop. You see what I'm saying? Right. So to slow things down and to really get back to the intimate like like relationships in terms of. Uh, having a conversation or just kind of being, uh, having a silent moment together without phones in our hands. <laughs> right. So, so all of that comes into play. So how can we learn when you're, when you're thinking about, oh, uh, I'm on, I'm on Instagram, I'm on uh, uh, Facebook, I'm on, you know, all these different social media outlets and you need to focus on, uh, on the test that's on tomorrow that you got tomorrow. It's real talk. It's different. Right. We, we know how the world was before. So we know how to shut out the, so the social media outlets for ourselves, but they don't. 
You know what I'm saying? And, and add to it all the nuances of relationships on there from you know friends or foes or bullying or all of that. And I want to give a shout out to uh, my former student who I just saw uh, say what's up is Ernesto Saldivar, who's a big fan of yours because he. And I want to hook him up with you because he is a teacher in CPS now. He's a, a, a assistant principal in the back of the yards. And, oh, and, and, back of the yards! Yeah, he's, wow. he's in the back of the yards. Uh, and I think it's uh, uh, I forget the name of the school. I'm sorry. But he uh, pushed CPS to to make uh, Latin American studies uh, not an elective but but a, a wow. requirement. Yes, oh, that's in, awesome. In some of the high school. So what's up, Ernesto? Giving you props. Good job, to Ernesto. Libro Traficante. Appreciate that. Would love to shoot the breeze. We got to have him on the air one of these yes, days too. Yes. Which is great. But I think you're talking about the digital era, too. This is a pretty incredible age, too, especially for freedom of speech, for our communities, for the intelligentsia, because I get to find out about what Ernesto's doing because, well, look, it's on Facebook Live. That popped up. Here right. we are on the classic media of radio. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Right, right. We have access to all this education. And then I'm hoping uh, Kim students are listening because then they're hearing, too, right. that someone from Chicago cares about what's going on in Houston. Right. And we could keep building cross-pollinating and trading all these great ideas. So so I like what you're saying is that we kind of have to take all these tools. Mm-hmm. And even we as the older people in the room, I it's happened, yeah, I guess, <laughs> as the older people in the room, <laughs> right? like, oh, geez, we have to adapt. And I'll tell you what, that's what I do love about working with Nuestra Palabra, poets, writers, is I get to be around young folks and we kind of have a common mission, which is let's get the word out. Let's right. let it prosper and bump. But I do learn from the young folks because right. they, they embrace it. And then I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. I know it could work that way. But it, we have this bigger mission. How, how nice to think that that can be institutionalized, too, in the classroom. And, and, and they'll let you know what sucks. Yes. Hey, that sucks, bro. I don't like it. I didn't see it. Why? It was boring. <laughs> and the thing is, I, I like to think that it's because they're they're easy to respond in the social media. So they're used to just respond to something like, you know, it sucks. But one of my critiques is like their divergent thinking is different in terms of creativity. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm just like, we, we really have to use our imagination to co- you know to create because we didn't have things to do growing up right but now with the digital media it's kind of like you're occupying that you know, the empty space with, with uh with, with you know with, with social media but not so much being creative or, or, or using your imagination so that's where some of the voids come and as educators it's like how do we fill that space mm. which which is very different than someone just being the dismissive of the younger generations exactly it's saying here's what they bring to the table Here's where I can change, and look, here's where I can offer insights as well. And, and the challenge is to make them uh, problem some uh, problem solvers. So, so as a facil- as an educator and a facilitator, and this is what I talk about in my classroom is that okay, give them assignments, but also make them think critically. Make them think, you know, make them become problem solvers. Give them challenges. Give them problems. Don't just give them things to remember. Gotcha. I'm getting too deep into this. I got a pitch. I got a pitch. I got to go to the phone. Speaking of so, problem solving, let's get this 500. Let's, let's solve this problem and get 500 bucks up in here, yo. Come on. We want to thank Fran for calling in. Thank you so much, Fran. I believe she's uh, she's donated before, too, so that means a lot. Thank you. And I I want to make sure. I should just mention public poetry anyway, but I think it's Fran from public poetry. Public poetry is this really cool, dope reading series okay. that has been multicultural from the beginning uh, focuses on different poets who are from different levels of, of community and different, Brand. and moves around town too. So that's very cool. So shouts out to Fran. And if you're not Fran for public poetry, forgive me, Fran, who donated. But I should mention public poetry anyway. All right. What's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, if you want to donate as well, 713-526-5738. You can also go online to kpft.org. And you can tell folks, too, we actually live streaming, kpft.org. I do want to brag a little bit about our uh, Nuestra Palabra On Demand, so we don't put all of them. The shows are archived at the University of Houston Digital Archives. They're a little hard to get to, but they're there. Now, we put some of them up at Nuestra Palabra On Demand. If you go to nuestrapalabra.org, you can see some of those. I'll let you play. We'll, We'll play a game here. We've actually had several past the 1,000 listen mark. Nice. You know, which is cool because that's different. Like here we know we're programming at a certain time and right. it, it's, you know, we, people know it. But it's different because they have to kind of go out of their element yeah. and, and find it. And one of them actually passed the 2,000 mark. So be curious which you would guess which episodes did that. 
and which have, one's actually very close. One of them is very close. So if you want to go check there, call us in, make your pledge, and say, hey, this one's coming close. We can give one of those sh- uh, radio shows a shout out. But then also what, what I do like is that it is part of the, the archives right. as well. Right. Now, the, the other thing is that is part of our living history. People might be listening later. It's been very cool, too. This is a wonderful time for our community because people have been writing dissertations about the work that we do, which is really a blessing. I do not take that lightly at and, all. And tell them to make it available. Don't don't just leave those uh, dissertations on the on the shelf. You know what I'm saying? So, no, so that's a great I, point. I, I have mine on Microsoft Word, so if you want it, I, I send it out for free. You don't have they to buy it. That. That's a great <laughs> idea. That is a really great idea. And just to let y'all know, I, I wrote my dissertation on the hunger strike that took place by by uh, Latina mothers, mainly Mexican uh, uh, immigrant mothers, to build a high school in the city of Chicago. Man, little village, Lawndale High School, in uh, on, on the southwest side of Chicago. I love it. Yeah. But what what a great idea! And of course. Soon, I'm hoping within the end of the year, we're going to go and update the Libro Traficante website, LibroTraficante.com. Yes, so it would be yes. cool to include links to the research. All of that. You know, and, and again, going back to Chicago, like, like there's a big disconnect of this history that, that you, you share here you know, in Houston, in Texas, in the Southwest. I was going through your website and all the stuff that you do. I'm just like very impressed. And I was like, wow, we need to build this connection because I, I feel these discussions are taking place with a lot of students and you know not just Latino you know Latinx students right but just people in general who, who mm-hmm. are into cultural studies and really making these connections I saw the shows that you were doing previously you were talking about uh, Afro-Latinos mm-hmm. Central American Latinos and Chicanos right so we, we we're multiplying right. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like before like the Chicano identity was, was bringing out the duality right in our in our, cult, in our culture and identity but like Latinidad and now Latinx is like multiplicity yeah, and, and there's so much connections, right? And, and another example is like Ojalá, Ojalá que nos vemos mañana. You know where Ojalá comes from, right? Yeah. Ojalá is Inshallah, which we are actually referring to Allah. You know, when we say if God is willing. So again, just making these connections through our through our culture, and that's what you do. You're very uh, you're you're an effective spokesperson in culture and embracing it. And you know, because growing up, you know, me being Mexican in Chicago, growing up, I, I didn't have that history. About Mexicans, right? You know, the history of Mexican Americans and Chicanos, it wasn't taught in schools, right? Mm. The only thing I knew were, were from my parents and, and, and the experiences that we had in our local areas. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But but being an educator and, and being exposed to all this literature of Puerto Ricans, Mexicans, Andorinos, like, like just all these different groups, I'm like, wow. It's like a whole, not even a whole different world, but different worlds. Right. <laughs> right. So that's literature. That's you, brother. And oh, that's, that's, gracias. You know, that's and todos, together. And, and, todos, and, and I think people vibe on it, and, and it's really exciting. 713-526-5738. We should kind of give a report on last week's event on uh, Afro-Latino. Cause I thought it was beautiful, Q. I don't know. What, what did you think? Oh, I loved it. I thought everybody had a lot of great things to talk about. Um, and I asked a lot of questions about haciendas and plantations mm. that really brought up a lot of good information that I didn't know. Um, I'm looking forward to the next one. I'm looking forward to the video. Right? <laughs> Talk to us about the video, right? Didn't you mention that there was, the video will be coming soon? So we've actually chronicled it by pictures. So the pictures are in. We shot videos of it. And the video will wind up. Um, we're going to make sure to upload it on YouTube. Kind of like you're saying, we got to share this knowledge. Yes. And then we'll put it on the website, but then also it will be airing on Houston Media Access, Don't. so which they show, which are going to show it a lot. I do want to talk about cultural acceleration too, but maybe people aren't interested in any of this because people aren't calling seven one three five two six five seven three. Maybe they want us off the air. Maybe they're like, you know what? Keep it simple. We liked it when when it was very simple. We don't want all this deep. Deep, deep knowledge. Um, it, it's too, it's too controversial. Uh, <laughs> no, no, they love it. They love it. It's just like they don't want to pay. It's, think about the beer that you drink at the bar. It's eight dollar beers when you could just buy like a, a twelve pack for ten bucks. Come on, <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying? You got that money. Seven one three five two six five seven three eight. So for cultural acceleration, um, basically in that room, it was like bringing the intelligentsia think tank. The community together, and I'm gonna give you the the, the drama. I'll dramatize the definition of what cultural acceleration is in that room. Doctor Sparsa said, "Yo, this got to be a class." Yes, that yeah. that was like 
I could see that. Oh, I mean, for me, I, I definitely want to sign up for oh, that. And I don't man. like school, you know. <laughs> There's resources. There's a lot of resources. Uh, I'll give you an example. I'll give you two examples. So, Kumba Links is an organization in in, uh, in Chicago. They do a lot of hip hop educational arts. Uh, founded by three sisters, Esther Jacinda Bully, Jaquanda Villegas, and uh, 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 Leda uh, Villegas. So I collaborated with them, and it's a piece called Do I, Do I Really Know? The Connection of uh, the African Presence in Mexico and Latin American. Latin America. So I could send that to you. Oh, man. Right? We're doing it live yeah. on the air, We're man. Doing like stuff like that. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, right. And then there's uh, Gina Camoa Pacheco, uh, she, you know, Chicana sister from Chicago. And she like, has been doing this for 20 years where, where, where she's written a grant and she's doing education, early edu uh, child education in the community through the arts, through music. We learn so much, right? Because we don't even know where this music is, music is from. So they do jarrocho. Jarrocho is like the little jarranas, yeah, the little yeah, guitar yeah. that they play and, they, and uh, dance with the snapping on the backs, right? You know, it comes yeah. from the Cruz. It has a strong African influence to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when she started that 20 years ago, now she's at a point where during the summer, you know, when it's nice in Chicago, which is rare, right? <laughs> right? The summer, Can't like, do yeah, it yeah. In the snow. We, we take advantage of it. <laughs> but she brings a community of, of, of haranas, like, like players and singers, and there's like 20 of them singing at the top of their lungs. It's a beautiful thing. And, and we're learning about, you know, we're listening to the music, we're eating food, learn, and talking to each other and creating these spaces. Mm. And she's an educator. You see what Man. I'm saying? So, so, that, so it's, it's like beyond classes, of course, the classes yeah. are good, but experiences through food, language. I got to interject. I, I promise okay, you, I'm nobody, you. nobody's talking about this on the air right, right now in Texas. Right. Maybe in the country. 713-526-5738. We are accelerating culture in front of you. And we are actually making structural changes because now that, Dope class that was dreamed up last week at our uh, Afro Latino Cultural Capital Talk at the at the Shrine of the Black Madonna. Mm -hmm. By the way, great Ethiopian food. Shout out to Lucy's, to, uh, Lucy's mm -hmm. uh, and Jose Grignan from Fox Twenty Six Houston that really dove in. Raul Orlando uh, Edwards Raul. as well. Oh man, uh, Afro Latin Fest Flam Art. And actually, Af Raul with with uh, Afro Latin Fest, he teaches dance as a way to show yes. the Afro Latino. Combination. And you can well, hear more about his story of why on my podcast, Bootleg Like Jazz. And his, and his, his uh, podcast is dope. Oh, that's cool. It's good. And, and this is not a new thing. Mm -hmm. This is not new. You know what I'm saying? Like, people think, oh, you know, these these uh, fusion of cultures, like, it's recent. Like, no, this has been happening before mm -hmm. the colonization of the Americas, right? One thing that I learned um, a few years back to a sister named Alma Iris, who's a who was an Aztec uh, um, uh, historian. She says that the Aztec calendar was also uh, those contributions from from African uh, culture. Whoa! As well, you know, she, she didn't say what, which specific group from from Africa, but there's a contribution from that culture as well, right? And that we didn't know it just blew us away. So th those connections were then, of course, the Olmec heads. Well, and, right? and it makes sense too, especially if I mean, let's think about this: if we've got international, global, powerful countries or sovereign states now, that were they were the same back then. So of course, they must have sent. There must have been interchange. There had well, to be. I mean, right? It's not like like the you know European the colonizers because it wasn't all Europeans. It was the colonizers, the people, the royalty who sent the colonizers. They didn't set the tone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they just messed things up, right? But we were doing. We were all, everybody was cool, you know. It, you know, it was a good party, and they crashed it. You know, you know it so, broke stuff. And broke stuff. Man, man. that's why we can't have nice things. Right. But uh, well, also uh, again seven one three five two six five seven three. Now, yo, th th no one's doing this. Please. Help us out. Let's keep this going. But I want to throw in some other uh, facets as well because we're building on it. Um, a couple other things, too. Institute for Hispanic Culture, we held our South American Cultural Capital event there because I'm not sure if this is the case in Chicago, but here it was it was easy to find the pockets of Chicanos. I mean, right. you know, all right, that's easy. Uh, I, I'm not making light of it, but it, for obvious reasons, it's easier. A little more difficult to find the pockets of Central Americans, but I stun harder to find the buildings that they want to do their events in. It was very hard to find spots or locales for South Americans yeah. in Houston. So, so we had to do it at the Institute of Hispanic Culture. I want to talk about that, but then also at the the folks from the Institute of Hispanic Culture came with us to the Shrine of the Black mm -hmm. Madonna. Mm -hmm. And one thing I don't know if you I don't know if you heard this. Um, Ana, who's from uh, Institute of Hispanic Culture Board, she says, you know what? We need to make a space for Afro-Latino experience at the Institute of Hispanic yes. Culture. Yes. Oh, really? I didn't hear her say that. She said that. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, that sounds like gold to me. Right? right? No, and it's yeah. great because it's a result of that talk 
to open people's eyes. Right. And it's that safe space where it's more about saying, this could be fun, it can be deep, it can be great, and here's the tools. Right. But in, in, a lot of it is not even you. It's, it's that realization, like, oh, is this where this comes from? Because cumbia, who doesn't love cumbia? Right. <laughs> I love cumbia. And people will be like, what's cumbia? It's from Mexico. No, sorry, it's Afro-Colombian. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? See, these are the stories that need to be told, right. talked about. And, and Raul and I, I'm not going to give everything away, but he and I are in talks to kind of talk about this and bring this onto the podcast with a visual aspect as well. Oh, nice. Right, right. Ipadis, nice. 713-526-573. You got news for us, Marlon? Well, um, Tony, actually, I wanted to see... Um, or say something. There's a exhibition. It's called Photo Finish 2019. This is actually an exhibition on students. It's student nice. art. And nice. it's actually taking place. It started on Saturday. And it's going through May 27th at Silver Studios or Silver, Silver Street Studios. And, you know, this is these are students that enjoy doing art, which is kind of like we're trying to promote here. Bam. And I was telling them, actually, my nephew is actually going to exhibit oh, a picture nice. here. Oh, Congratulations. So it's something that the schools are trying to bring more art into yeah. the classes. And this is one of their first exhibitions. So That's fantastic. If anybody wants to go. That's dope. That's is there dope. a website for it that you can uh, give out? Let me see. I have an address. Let's see here. There is a phone number, or they can go to photofest.org. Oh, yes, perfect. And they'll have a lot of the information there. Yes. And I'm glad we can mention it. How do you spell PhotoFest? Yeah, PhotoFest. It's P part of PhotoFest. P-H-O? Oh, F-O-T-O. Right. Fest, F-E-S-T dot org. Good question. I'm glad you asked. But I'm really glad we can announce it on our last show ever. Because we're probably going to get kicked off the air. Because we're not, well, maybe not. I don't know. Just We're not supposed to joke about 713 <laughs> no, We got four minutes left. Right. Right now, you can be the hero of the plot by calling in. We, we need a few heroes to the plot to call in. Because uh, thank you so much for coming and sharing the knowledge Man, that thank you got. for having me. You know, and, and we're going to talk after this, right, because we're going to build that, that Chicago, Chi-Town, uh, Houston, uh, H-Town connection. Unidos. We're going we're gonna to bring them to Chicago, so, so, so do be it. ready. But I just want to say one more thing. I know we're limited with time, but in terms of uh, South American in Chicago Porfa. in the 70s, this it pertains to intersectionality. There's an organization called Casa. Which was uh, groups from uh, from different uh, countries in Latin America came together and they were pro-immigrant advocates. And what messed up the movement was the the uh, machismo in, within the groups. The men having you know hitting on the women and stuff like that throughout the group, mm -hmm. and that's what destroyed the movement. You could learn that history by Dr. Milena Garcia, who's a great friend friend of mine, and that's what she does her work on. But again. When we talk about identity politics, we also have to look at the gender politics mm. as well and, and our relationships right between, you know, individuals and not, you know, messing up the movement. Yeah. So, so and, and not having tools to address it. it exactly. It's like that, that's exactly. we got to get that sophisticated level where uh, we, we, we're going to commit errors. Mistakes will happen. Errors. How can we self-correct, right. heal and then grow from and it? respect the women leadership? Exactly. That's what that's what broke up the, the movement back then. Well, I, I think mujeres have played such a critical role, especially in the work that we do, también. Right. That that's to really sabotage the movement, not to give mujeres their 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 space, uh, their respect, and yeah. chances to keep growing. Definitely, man. So great, great topics, Dr. Gabriel Cortez, for tuning in. We got two minutes left. Seven one three. Five two six five seven three eight and uh, Marlin, do we have do we have anyone else to thank so far? Not that I know of. So the, keep calling. Also, the website is on our Facebook page. If they want to donate online, it's also on our Twitter. So seven one three five two six five seven three eight. We know you appreciate the show. I know you learned a lot from today's episode, just like all of them. So do us a favor, give us a ring, call in donate but this way of course it's dispersed through all the shows our show isn't the only one that will benefit from it but i do like it that people hear that we did our part that we helped out so uh how can people follow you and stay in touch with what you're doing um i'm on facebook uh gabriel cortez gabriel cortez so i see o-r-t-e-z uh if, if you want my uh dissertation right nice which pretty much covers the educational platform of latinos latinas latinx from uh 1970s to to 2000 and, and it covers the hunger strike of a uh, little village, uh, Longdale High School, in 2001. You can hit me up at G-Cortez, C-O-R-T-E-Z, at 
N-E-I-U dot E-D-U. And I'm hoping that we can really push our update for the Libre Traficante website to include uh, a link to that as well. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll send that out for you as well. I'll promote that, that, that website for sure. And I forgot to say that I'm part of Northeastern Illinois University as well, which is a great university to be at in Chicago. Uh, so, fantastic. Well, continued success. Really uh, respect all that you do, and you've, you've changed the world, so thank all you. All of us. Somos todos, eh? Thanks for keeping in touch, and uh, shouts out from our crew. Shout hey. out, Mrs. Q. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's smiling, and that was Letty. <laughs> Check out my podcast, bootleglikejazz.com. Porfa, I followed you back. Awesome, you appreciate back. it.